Hi there! Welcome back to another episode of LTTK. My name is Olola Day. You already know what it is. Culture series! And in today's episode, I have with me someone from El Salvador. I'm sure some of you who are listening to me have never heard of that country before. So if you haven't, please just take some popcorn, grab, you know, a nice chair and sit down and let's have this conversation so for this i have here melissa and i would like to introduce her to you hi melissa welcome to lttk how are you doing hi olola there thank you for having me i'm doing great i'm enjoying the german sun which Mm -hmm. is nice nice change very nice (laughs) not nice weather (laughs) right now i'm just feeling great thank you that's so good. Yeah, it's nice that you even mentioned the weather because German weather is so unpredictable, especially here in Ilmena where we both stay for now. You know, today is sunny. In the next five minutes, it starts raining. I'm like, what is all this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think, well, at least for me, it was a, a, a cultural shock because I come from a country where there's sun all year round and temperatures are really warm all the time so getting used to the weather was like the first step to to integration i would say Mm -hmm. it's so perfect that you started with culture shock and you know being integrated into another culture because you know we're talking about culture and we would obviously love to know where you're from and you know what your country is known for so to start off introduce yourself again like who you are what you do where you come from and if you were to describe your country in three words what would those words be so take it from there (laughs) okay okay perfect well my name is melissa conde However, Uh my legal name, as is common in Latin America, is Yolanda Melisa Conde Guevara. So we have two first names, two last names. The first last name comes from your father, the second Uh comes from your mother. However, that's really, really long, so usually I just go with one first name, one last name. But for my legal stuff, I have to use the four names I have. Uh, El Salvador, like you said, is a unknown country I know for most people Uh, it's the smallest country in Central America so we're between uh, the two big chunks of America let's say we're between North America and South America it's like a little sliver that goes from one part of the continent to the other Uh Uh, we speak Spanish there Uh, Uh if I had to describe my country in three words I would say it's a very in general friendly country Uh, It's a traveled country also because we have a lot of uh, unsafety right now and political panoramas looking a bit uh, traveled, let's say, Uh and we're a very hardworking country. That's That's so nice. (laughs) What a way to introduce your country. Yeah, yeah, continue uh, please. About me, I'm here in Germany, like you said, in Ilmenau specifically. I came here um, a bit over two years ago to study my master's degree in media and communication science. And I ended up getting a job here in the university when I was done with my studies. So that's uh, what I'm, where I'm going to be right now, at least for five years. And then, well, let's see what, where life takes me. Uh, I'm here with my husband and my daughter also, so uh, I brought my 
whole family. Here Your whole family. <laughs> yes. So it's yeah. been a, a family experience of, of culture uh, learning. Shock because and integration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's new for all of us. So we're kind of experiencing everything like a family, which, which is really great. Actually, it's a really, really nice experience to have. Yeah, I, I think so too. So when you encounter something, you come back home, you discuss with your family, and then you all probably encourage each other to keep, you know, trying, you know, exactly. and you'll get better, especially with the language, for example, which is one of yes. the things every international person would encounter, language shock, you know, yeah. <laughs> I would say that's, yeah, I would say that's a, the very first and maybe the biggest shock, the, the language barrier, especially yeah. I'm a very, I would say I'm a very verbal person. I like to talk a lot. Uh, conversation has, has always been very important uh, to me in, in my daily life, not only personally, but in my work, in my line of work. Also, I did a lot of writing, a lot of reading, talking. And when mm-hmm. you get to a place where you, you cannot speak, completely understand, exactly, mm-hmm. uh, you cannot completely give your opinions, uh, express your thoughts, it uh-huh. can be frustrating at times and it really is a, a yeah it's a shock and it's a barrier that you have to learn how to navigate to overcome. yeah yes. i completely agree with you but before i forget i just wanted to say that when melissa said um that el salvador is known for being friendly like generally i would have to agree with that because melissa you are very friendly i mean you're so nice and you're always smiling every time and all of that (laughs) and so i will have to agree with you even though i haven't met many other people from your country but you are that representation of friendly anyway um before again i (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so you also mentioned language that you speak Spanish. So maybe um, apart from Spanish, are there other like um, sub languages that are spoken in El Salvador? Okay, so the language uh, story of my country is a, a interesting but some somewhat sad story. We speak Spanish because we were conquered by the Spaniards, so that was our official language from then. Uh, but we do have a native language that's called Nahuatl that is somewhat related to the Mexican Nahuatl, but it's different. So they're like cousins, let's say. They have some similarities, but they're completely different languages. However, in 1932, there was um, a very sad uh, massacre, I would have to say, of indigenous people in my country. So a lot of native people were killed because they rebelled against uh, landowners mm-hmm. and from that point on because uh, they were prosecuted basically uh, from then on people started to hide their native language so they wow. started only communicating in Spanish because they knew that if they spoke their native tongue they would be identified and that would They'll be killed uh, problems yeah that's so, so sad. that's it's really sad because it basically made our native language disappear. Yeah. So now, uh, I would say starting maybe in the year 2000 more or less, there have been some initiatives, some private uh, initiatives that are trying to rescue the language by giving uh, lessons, by having teachers uh, learn it so they can reproduce it in schools, 
uh, in universities. However, it's a slow going process because as you know, uh, if you don't use the language every day, it's really difficult yeah. for it to spread. So mm -hmm. if families don't speak it at home, if you don't teach it to your kids, well, then it's dif it's difficult for a mm -hmm. whole society to adopt a language that is basically a dead tongue by now. Yeah. However, those I mean the efforts that are being made are really really good e efforts and very uh, useful initiatives. So hopefully they catch on in the future and we get mm -hmm. our language back. So yeah. Yeah. So for now, you would just say Spanish. We, I would say just Spanish. There's also an, an interesting uh, phenomenon that happens because my country is a country of seven million people, more or less. However, small. That's so it's small. Very small. But approximately three million Salvadorans uh, live in the United States, and many of them are either undocumented or are people that, after they work a while, they come back to the countries or they're either deported or they come back voluntarily. So there's this group of people that speaks really, really uh, good English and mm -hmm. that's why we also have a strong call center uh, industry there because uh, there are this, this group of people who are bilingual and have mm -hmm. very good uh, English language skills. So mm -hmm. that's also a, a small part of the population. But yeah, Spanish is our main language and that's what everybody speaks basically. Yeah, it, it's such a very sad story about the yes. your native language. You said Nahuatl? Nahuatl, yeah. Nahuatl. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I really tried to write it down. But do you, by any chance, speak a little bit or understand a little bit? I know it's not spoken popularly, but you mentioned that um, they are trying to teach it right now. Um, I could so. just, I, I learned some phrases that I don't, uh, I don't remember anymore. Uh, uh, I know yeah. how to say good morning, good mm -hmm. day, good evening, thank mm -hmm. you. Those, I can those imagine. Those things, but, but that's the only thing I, I know. Yeah, Sadly. that's fine. No problem. So since you speak Spanish, I would like to hear you introduce yourself in Spanish so that, um, people who are listening to this podcast can get a sense of what Spanish language sounds like. Perfect. Hola, hola a todos. Mi nombre es Melissa Conde. Soy del Salvador. Vivo en Ilmenau, Alemania. Estoy uh, aquí desde hace dos años y después de estudiar una maestría, eh, voy a trabajar cinco años en la universidad en un proyecto de investigación. Estoy ahorita todavía en el proceso de integración en el país, sin embargo hasta ahora todo ha ido muy bien he tenido muy buenas experiencias con los alemanes tengo que decir que los estereotipos que hemos escuchado hasta ahora no los he comprobado han sido ah. gente realmente amistosa gente amable y se han portado en todo momento eh, muy corteses con, conmigo y con mi familia y nos han hecho sentir como en casa desde el principio, desde que vinimos así que Wow. Lo describiría como muy amables. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Is there more? <laughs> Don't let me go on. Like okay, I so, said, I like to speak a lot. <laughs> uh huh. So, could you wait? What you introduced, apart from um, your name and where you come from, is there anything I'm missing? Because it sounded really long. Um, yeah, I just I just talked a, a bit about how I'm in, still in the integration process and mm -hmm. how uh, 
at least in my personal experience, I have to say, uh, all these stereotypes you have of German people have not been exactly how they have painted painted them to us. Because uh, I have, until now, have only had positive experiences with them. They have been very open, very friendly. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Definitely, I've heard this language a couple of times. And if I see someone or if I hear someone speaking, I'll know it's Spanish. I think in Mexico, Spanish is the language, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. I have two Mexican friends, so I know. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's switch now um, to food. So what's the common food eaten in El Salvador? Oh, I have to say our most delicious, most typical, traditional and famous food is la pupusa. Hmm, la pupusa. Um, pupusa. Well, no, P la is pupusa. the article, so it's just pupusa. Pupusa, pupusa. okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, like, pupusa. like many of our traditional dishes, it's uh, corn-based. Corn we eat a lot uh -huh. of corn. Um, and you prepare it by taking the the seeds the, the, the kernel of the corn and then you boil that then you grind it until you have a soft dough and you make uh -huh. like a flat a flat circle let's say uh -huh. and then on top of it you can choose from we have mainly three traditional feelings you can have a cheese pork or beans however the most delicious pupusa is the one that has the three of them combined so uh -huh. you put like a small ball of the three ingredients and then you close your your circle let's say and make another ball and then uh -huh. you flatten it again and then you um you put it in like a how would you i don't know how you would say that word in english but like a let's say like a grill uh -huh. like an iron skillet okay like that. Uh -huh. and then you, you turn it and it's ah oh, it's really delicious Mm. I, I think don't know that's why, why that's what, mm -hmm. uh, maybe you finish and then I would ask my question no no I was going to say I think that's the food we're known for mm -hmm. that's the, the most famous food and I know that there are pupusas uh, in a lot of parts of, of, of the world mm -hmm. including Germany shoot yeah well I have seen at least some Salvadorians that uh, prepare pupusas and sell them I don't know if there's like a big restaurant, restaurant where you mm -hmm. can have them yeah. Yeah. And okay. at least you can get them. They mail them to you, by the way. <laughs> ah. Wow. Okay. Anyway, I know that they mail food. At least since coming here to Germany, I've realized that you can mail anything. Absolutely yes. anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned um, the pupusa is made of corn, and I don't know why though, but I was kind of imagining tacos. Well, actually, tacos. This tortilla, which you use to make tacos, is the same, the exact same dough that is uh -huh. for the pupusas. Uh -huh. the, the only uh difference is that taco you use the, you make the, the tortilla very, very thin, uh -huh. and then you like roll, roll the, the filling uh -huh. inside. But for the pupusa, it it's kind of sealed inside the tortilla, so it's like a thick tortilla and the filling uh -huh. is inside, not okay. like the taco that it's over. Yeah, and the feeling is pork um, or beef or yeah, it's kind of That's like so. Similar. Okay, so 
I would say it's it can give it gives it's given me a sense of having something like a pie or a meat pie or a beef patty. But of course, um that one is made of flour. We have something in Nigeria called meat pie or chicken pie, and it's made of flour, so you um flatten it, you make the dough, and then you put filling inside. So the filling would be beef, um some onions, um potatoes, vegetables and beef, you know, mixed together and then you put it in the oven you you close it you close it and you oh, make it okay. into like yeah you close it up and then you put it in the oven to um to cook or to heat up yeah and then it's really nice so it sounds hmm. sounds very good actually yeah yeah i i, I would like to taste papusa <laughs> some days yeah i should you know i have tried i have to to confess something here uh, I have mm-hmm. tried to do to prepare pupusas. I think four or five times since I've been and here. You failed. I, I still. I have failed. I, mean, I fail. I fail less every time <laughs> because the first time was like a disaster. Second time was a little bit better, mm-hmm. and so it's evolving in a in the right direction. Let's say, but uh, yeah, I cannot. I cannot get the right pupusa. Yet, mm-hmm. not yet. I'll get there. I'll get there. Don't worry. When I do, I'll I'll have you over and you can try it. Sure, I'm very patient. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Nice. Um, just a quick one though. What is a must see for someone who wants to go to El Salvador for a holiday, for example? The the beaches. I would say the beach is absolutely beautiful. Uh, we have. A coast in the Pacific Ocean, and if you like surfing, for example, El Salvador can be paradise for you. Um, in let me see what date do we have? Last week, just last week, we had uh, part of the Olympic. Um, how do you call that? The the Olympic surf games, something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. in two of our of our beaches. So nice. Yeah, I would say we're we're famous for our, our waves because uh-huh. surfers love our waves but even if you don't surf you're you would have a great time going to the beach there nice. and another thing that's interesting for tourists uh i would say are volcanoes because we have uh, several volcanoes some you uh-huh. can hike some you can't but it's always very a very interesting experience to to hike a, uh-huh. a volcano and to see something of that size uh, up close and to see the type of uh, plants you can see their trees that's that's mm-hmm. always nice also and yeah. yeah coffee would also be a nice thing we have coffee plantations we have really good coffee actually mm-hmm. so that's also a nice experience mm, nice I, I kind of already read about that i saw coffee and i saw of course the volcano and then i wanted to now ask if we're talking about volcano like volcanic eruption is dangerous so having a lot of volcanoes um or volcano sites in el salvador is kind of dangerous for the population it's more of dangerous than uh, fun to visit i don't know personally that's i just i'm a bit weary yeah no definitely definitely it is we actually uh have some I'll say active volcanoes, it doesn't mean that they uh, are in eruption right now, but they have to be monitored. The last, however, the last eruption we had uh, was like, oh, I, I may be wrong about this, but like a hundred years ago, maybe, like the, a serious oh, okay. one, because it, it happens sometimes that they 
uh, spew lava, uh, no, no, not lava, sorry, they spew ashes and uh, some hot liquid, but not a, a, a complete eruption with lava and fire and all that. So mm -hmm. it has been a while since that happened, but yeah, when, when it has okay. happened in the past, it, it has been okay yeah i just read up something about the volcanoes um, um el salvador is known as the land of volcanoes because there are more than 20 volcanoes in the region but two of them are active so i am now relaxed <laughs> yeah yeah scared <laughs> yeah no don't worry they're 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 monitored and actually when they have uh, some activity that's uh, out of the norm let's say uh, geologists pay attention and they're always mm -hmm. like checking the data to see if there's big changes what's going to happen mm -hmm. and so yeah okay don't worry. You, yeah. you can visit without fear okay great <laughs> so um what are you most proud of as a native of el salvador in fact you know i come from nigeria i would call myself a nigerian you come from el salvador what would you call yourself <laughs> okay okay all right i just wanted to be sure so that i don't add yeah. into my <laughs> yeah, yeah no, okay so right. what are you most proud of what am i most proud of well i have to say that we as as you said we are a small country however for a small country we have gone through a lot we had a 12-year civil war that ended in 1992 and wow. uh, in spite of that i think uh people have always found a way to carry on to uh -huh. be positive to keep working and i think I, I i want to think that i have that in me that i have that that strong work ethic and that desire to keep moving forward no matter what life throws at you so uh -huh. i do think that comes a bit from the history of my country because that's mm -hmm. what we're taught we know okay bad things may happen uh, but you have to keep going keep going mm -hmm. keep going yeah so i think that makes me i would say that makes me proud yeah that that yeah. spirit in me yeah that's really good and i think it's the same for me in Nigeria we've gone through a lot and when I think of my country and the things that aren't working I'm really disappointed I'm really sad but I just have to keep moving you know I cannot I cannot change myself from being a Nigerian and I'm proud to be Nigerian even though I wish things could be better you know so that strong um, push or understanding of pushing yourself and you know going going for it yeah that's good so now i'm switching to something really different and interesting because it applies to you specifically can you guess okay. take a guess yes <laughs> of course marriage <laughs> you're cool oh, so marriage because you are married so tell me about how marriage is carried out in el salvador and you know what was the process like for you and well, um I, yeah i would that. say because i i know different cultures have have very different traditions but i would say like many other things that happen in my country because we're very close to, to the united states we have a really big influence also from their culture and i think we have adopted a lot of things that, mm -hmm. that happen in the united states so i would say our process is 
very similar to the one, even the one you see in movies <laughs> sometimes. Ah. Uh, who you marry is mostly the decision of uh, the, the partners. Uh -huh. uh, you pick someone based on your your taste, uh, uh -huh. your likes, dislikes, and there's a lot of freedom in that in that aspect. Um, you basically get to choose who you want to marry, and you can just go ahead and marry. Obviously, there are some families that have a say, but it's not that big I mean you you cannot make for example someone not marry someone they want to marry mm. just because uh, the, the family says no we don't like them it could be that um. someone doesn't marry someone because the family doesn't like them but that doesn't happen very often I would say oh, I okay. know that uh, maybe centuries ago uh, people did have to for example bring some kind of offering to the family of uh, the other person and mm -hmm. you had to more or less gain their their trust mm -hmm. and gain their goodwill and their mm -hmm. support and you had to ask for permission usually the the groom had to ask for permission to marry the bride and he had to ask the family if they were okay with the union and mm -hmm. yeah but that that really i think that doesn't happen since i don't know some uh, a lot of years ago mm. um we also well there Sadly, I have to say, in my country, uh, same-sex marriage is not rec uh, recognized yet, and there's mm -hmm. also a lot of rejection toward it. Uh, there has been some movement to try to, because it's even in the constitution that a marriage has to be between a man and a woman, and there has been a movement to try to to amend that. To amend However, it. Mm -hmm. yeah, it it, it it's hasn't gotten some very time. far mm -hmm. yet. Yes. It will, yeah. it will take some time so that's why I'm just speaking about a marriage between men and a woman because that's the only kind of marriage that is legally recognized uh, yeah. right yeah. now and in okay. my case uh, it was a, <laughs> a very traditional uh, marriage I would say I met my husband at the university we were classmates Mm -hmm. We started by being friends. We were friends like for three years, I think, uh, before we officially became girlfriend and girlfriend. That three was, years. Those are okay. Those are the terms we we use. Uh, mm -hmm. And then after, I think after three other years, we got married. Mm. And then I got pregnant like a year after that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and here we are. And that was. 17 years ago so <laughs> wow that's a long time so yeah. you can imagine wow this is really I interesting know. yeah so there's really no i mean to summarize there's really no serious process you know like no of getting honest, married no, you know okay no. yeah it's all right it's i very mean it's straightforward i think very yeah and i would say very very american in a way mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's completely different from how it is in Africa. In Africa, we have a tradition. There is usually events to mark the wedding, you know, and I mean, it's gotten better over the years, but fundamentally, um, parents are very yeah. much involved in, you know, the whole process. And then when the husband or the groom wants to get married to the bride, for example, there has to be like, 
a meeting of both families to introduce themselves there's usually a list of items to bring to the event food clothes wow. um yeah it's That's a whole ceremony Yes, before before the, before, before the wedding, it's called it's called um, engagement. In fact, before that engagement, there's something called an introduction where the both families meet and you know they officially introduce the bride and the groom to the two families. Then there is the engagement where they are asked to bring a whole list of items that they will wow. use to bless the marriage that's the traditional wedding and then because of you know western influence we also have like the white wedding which usually happens in church for you know those who are christians yeah and yeah i think exactly. the those who practice islam also have their own um ceremony you know to celebrate the bride and the groom and then afterwards there's usually a party i mean i'm talking from my um my culture so i come from the yoruba tribe in nigeria nigeria is very populous there are so many people there over 200 million so you can imagine wow. the kind of different cultures that we have it's really yeah. huge <laughs> anyway let's leave that <laughs> but it's really interesting it's so different oh, it's really really interesting yeah well, i mean we we also have the the white wedding uh, to to call it like that um mm -hmm. also very common to have the religious ceremony we mm -hmm. need to have for legal purposes we need to have a, a civil ceremony first and then exactly one week later you have the the religious ceremony which is like the big party in a way mm -hmm. and yeah that mm -hmm. we we party big weddings yeah. are maybe the the biggest family celebrations mm -hmm. uh, we invite a lot of people we eat a lot and mm -hmm. most importantly we dance dance yeah dance. That's ah. like the, the, the most important part of the wedding. You have to really? Eat and you have to eat and drink. Yes. We love dancing. Uh, we love dancing. Now <laughs> that you mentioned that, I'm feeling bad because I could have looked up one of the nice music, El Salvadorian music, if you will, <laughs> and then maybe play some music here so that we can dance a little bit. <laughs> I, I miss dancing, I have to say. Oh, don't worry. Maybe after a hard day at work, just put on some nice music at home and just dance in front of your mirror. I do that a lot. I even did that I yesterday. Do. <laughs> I do that a lot. I do that a lot. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I do that a lot. So yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Um, what's the first thing you think of when you wake up in the morning? I know I switched from zero to hundred, but that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good. Get, get me out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Well, uh, I have to say I don't like waking up early, and uh, now I am waking up really early because, well, I need to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, the, the very first thought I have is like, oh man, it's so early. I can't believe I have to get up now. But then after that, I just think how lucky I am to have a job that I really like here in, in, in Germany. Mm -hmm. I have to say I still I, I'm still surprised by that because well you know it's a, a big challenge. It's really a big challenge to, to, to find a job in a different country with another language, another mm -hmm. culture. So yeah. I, I'm still very thankful and very grateful for, for the opportunity. So yeah. Those are the two things I I think about first and then I think also I'm also very very grateful to have my family here so Aww. I also think oh it's great that, that we get to to be here together to experience this yeah really beautiful that's good 
Great. Now I'm going to 500. So from 100 to 500. <laughs> and this is so this is really about um what happens when people die in El Salvador. Oh, okay. So how is burial carried out in your country? You know, that's that's very nice because I have had the opportunity to experience uh, the I would say we have two different type of, of traditions in this matter. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because if you live in the city, it's one thing. But if you live in a rural area, then it's completely different. And uh-huh. I have had a chance to experience both because uh, my mom, my mom comes from a very small village, a very uh, rural village, where uh-huh. I I got to spend uh, a good chunk of my childhood, I would say, and it was really really great to to be able to know that part of my country, which yeah. I wouldn't have if I had stayed only in the in the city. So, for example, in the city, um, I would say burial still is the most uh, common tradition when someone dies. Uh, incineration is starting to to come to the country some people are doing it but regularly uh, you have a, a burial uh-huh. but before that we have a wake so okay. normally i would say it lasts like 24 hours they usually happen in funeral homes uh-huh. so um, people go there and they pay their respects uh, uh-huh. they usually the, the close circle let's say usually stays overnight uh-huh. Uh, with the with the family members and uh-huh. they they usually serve coffee pastries and sometimes um, some savory things but nothing big it, it's not an, an eating eating event let's say uh-huh. it's more just it's serious yeah. pay your respects uh-huh. yeah very solemn uh, the next day before the burial you usually have a mass or some kind of religious ceremony uh-huh. usually also uh, in the funeral home if it's uh, small but if uh, a lot of people are there you can go to the church uh-huh. uh, and they take the, the body with them and then it is uh, I, I don't know if exhibit is is, is the right word yeah. But they, yeah. so they, they open they the body for people to see yes Yes, mm-hmm. uh, both in the funeral home and at church, and then after the mass, usually everybody uh, goes to the cemetery, mm-hmm. and usually the tradition is that you have a sort of procession. Let's say mm-hmm. you, you follow the the deceased until okay. uh, you reach the resting place. Mm-hmm. So that's very, let's say, a very serious event in a way, uh, mm-hmm. but country sorry continue from but sorry but 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 if you move to the rural part of the country uh, it's Mm -hmm. completely different there uh, it tends to be more of a happy I would say I I don't know if if, but more of a celebration not Mm -hmm. so solemn so a lot of people get together if it's a small uh, place it's not uh, it's not weird that everyone who lives there to the home of the deceased mm-hmm. there's a lot of food a lot of food also for they have the wake and during the whole wake you can eat uh, well everything everything chicken soup uh, I think even pupusas I don't know um, really? Is, uh, yeah a, lo- a lot of things you keep it's you, feasting you put time. it every hour 
You mm -hmm. could eat every hour if you wanted to. And mm -hmm. uh, everyone that comes usually brings something, but also the, the family, the owners of the house are expected to, to have food. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of food. Sometimes there's music um, and people tell jokes, people drink coffee. Sometimes there's even alcohol. So mm -hmm. as you see, it's very, it, it's more celebratory. And then after the wake, you also do the, the mass or the religious ceremony and then it, it ends in a burial like the one mm -hmm. in the city. But, but let's say the wake is really, really different and, and it's presented in a very different way. I would say in the mm -hmm. city it's more um, to commemorate the person and in the rural part of the country it's more to celebrate their, their life. Yeah. That's really, really fascinating because I would think it should be switched you know, like <laughs> to celebrate in the in the um, city and then to mourn in the traditional rural environment. But anyway, it's fascinating, and I yeah, think it's also yeah. I think it's kind of similar. The one in the city is kind of similar to how it is done um, in Nigeria. But again, I think at the end of the day, at least for my tribe Yoruba, it depends on the age of the person also, so that yes. makes me uh, because i wanted to ask about the age so if a child dies what does that make a difference or yes. you know that that will make it different that will make it different and i well i have seen cases where they they don't have as many people there as when an adult dies for example mm -hmm. that's that is more solemn definitely um, mm. and yeah that's not so celebratory and are the parents more, more somber okay and are the parents also present yes you should okay yes. okay because in my in my tribe a parent should never bury their child so oh, okay. yeah so what do they do then <sighs> other people bury them so like when my let me uh, my aunt who is about 70 something her child who is about who was about um 30 to 40 years died and she couldn't even travel because she's in the u.s she couldn't even travel to you know nigeria to be a part of the burial ceremony because parents are not supposed to see the dead like their dead children it's kind of like a taboo because you know the goal or the belief is that every um, parent should be buried by the child and not the other way around you know long life kind of um, thing so because of that she wasn't able to attend and i think that's how it happens in you know the yoruba culture um i'm not really sure about the other tribes because like i said we have like several other tribes in in nigeria so yeah it's but really then, sad regardless regardless of the age of the child i mean you could be an adult and it would apply uh, to to the situation also you you cannot bury your child if he's 50 or for yeah 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 I mean, like, if as long as it's the it's your child, the goal, the 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 idea is every child should bury their parents because you know, like, your parent gave birth to you, trained you, raised you. So when you are old, you're supposed to take care of the parents until they die, 
do you get the idea and so when okay. the the child dies it's it's really sad okay i get it no in our case then only if you're a, a young child i would say ah uh, okay no, 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 they're under the 12 for example what what's different also is the casket when you bury an, an adult usually casket is the wood the, the color of wood or like a wooden wooden casket mm -hmm. but when it's a child even though the casket is still uh, wood it's always white it has ah. to be a white casket wow yeah. mm. so color plays a role that's really interesting yeah, I, really don't know. I don't even know how you know the caskets are I'm not sure there is a particular color that it must be I've only seen two colors white and um, wooden brown you know, I haven't seen, yeah, those are the only colors I've seen of caskets. I haven't seen any other color. Yeah. All right, let's not, let's not dwell too much on burial. I think it's really solemn. So maybe we would um, talk about something more um, different. Now, what is um, considered disrespectful in your culture? If a foreigner, maybe someone like me, I don't really know much about El Salvador and I do or I say something, what would piece of an El Salvadorian? <laughs> That's a very good question because it's difficult for uh, people to piss us off. <laughs> I don't know, I would say more, more than disrespectful, I would say it's, it's seen as um, uncomfortable, for example, if you have someone over at, at mm -hmm. your house, you invite mm -hmm. them over and you uh, offer food, let's say you, you offer dinner or lunch. If they rejected that, that could be perceived like uh, that's disrespectful. Or mm. if someone offers you coffee or something, anything that's offered at someone's home, you have to take. Wow. I mean, that's the uh, unspoken rule. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, unless I mean you would need to have like a really good reason not to reject, to take yeah. it, on, on, or to stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because people, I don't know, it's seen as people are opening their their house to you, and you're basically rejecting. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, there's still, let's say, we have a very still a very vertical uh, relation when it comes to older people and younger people. So. Uh, any young person speaking uh, un not politely to an older person, uh, that that would be seen as disrespectful. Mm -hmm. You need to, to respect your, your elders, uh, mm -hmm. don't interrupt, mm -hmm. the same with your parents. Right? It's, 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 it's still a very vertical relation, I would, be, I would say. It's not mm -hmm. that we're friends, but there's always this authority of, of mm -hmm. parents, grandparents towards children. And I would say that extends a bit maybe to the workplace, uh, to schools, for example, uh, authority figures are still very strongly perceived. And so anything that you do against them would be considered uh, disrespectful. Mm. Um, what else? Well, I think yeah. that's I that think we like the most. Yeah. Thank you for the heads up. So if I come to your house <laughs> and you offer me something, I you will definitely take, take it. it. <laughs> I will take oh, it. Also, you, we, we, when we're invited over uh, to, to someone's house, we, you usually have to bring something. Mm -hmm. Don't it, come uh, empty-handed. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a bottle of wine. Okay. Thank you so much for the heads up. I think (laughs) there are there are probably other cultures who have the same um, perspective. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think. I mean, if I go to someone's house, like in my tribe, and they offer me something to eat, I don't have to eat it. It's not. I don't. (laughs) I'm not hungry, or you know. yeah, thank you so much. I already ate before coming or, you know, I'm observing a fast. It's okay. It's really no biggie. <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> you need to be careful when you're going to another person's house, maybe from El Salvador, for example. Yes. You know? mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To the thank point you. that when, when your kid goes to someone else's house, you always tell them, eat everything they give you. What? That's like one of the you you have to you tell them okay say hello be polite be nice and eat everything they give you. It's even opposite because when I was growing up, like you know, our parents used to tell us um, how to control our appetite. So if you go to a place, you go to a, a house, um, and maybe the people there you don't really 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 know them like that. You know, maybe you're just visiting. For the first time and they offer you something you have to um kind of say no thank you especially wow, because wow, you're i'm telling you like some parents can actually wow, get angry so it's yeah because it would be like you know are they not feeding you in your house so it, it, it oh. a typical a typical african parents can be like when you go to another person's house and they ask you if you are going to eat say no thank you okay I'm feeding you in my house, so you don't go and beg for anything. It's, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's but so that, interesting. That was back then, though. I don't know if like parents are still training their kids up in that way. But when I was growing up, if I go to someone's house, I don't just jump at everything they give me. No, my mom has to be like, okay, it's okay. Sometimes, okay, yeah, you can eat this you know depending on the house though like if i go to my cousin's house for example that's completely different like i said exactly exactly. when you're not familiar with the person please be moderate don't um don't request to have everything they're offering you yeah (laughs) so switched good to know good to know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so uh maybe one more last question or sub question what is one misconception about El Salvador that you want to clarify here? Oh, misconception. Sadly, well, not many people know know much about my country. I would say we if you read the news, if you search for for El Salvador, I'm sure you're going to find a lot of information regarding gangs and mm-hmm. gang violence. So a lot of people think that uh, if you go to El Salvador, you're going to be immediately attacked by gangs or murder or mobbed, and Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's not not like that. There, yes, we have a problem. Obviously, I'm not going to deny that. However, not the whole country is gang territory. Mm -hmm. There are places where it's. Live, where living is very difficult, complicated, where there's a lot of criminality, yes. Uh, but uh, most of the country is, is safe. Uh, mm-hmm. Most people are nice. 
so mm-hmm. we're not a, a criminal nation. So I, I would say that's yeah. that's a misconception. Don't yeah. take everything you read in the news as definitely the 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 whole reality of yeah. you know, my country. It's yes, it's yeah. part of its reality, but it's not the whole picture. Yeah. So, it's interesting that you mentioned that mention that because I feel like that's also what it comes down to in Africa where there is usually misconceptions about poverty, you know, about people hanging on trees like monkeys. There's still people who think that, you know, an African should not know how to speak English. Sometimes when I speak English and some people are looking at me like, you speak so good English. Are you American? I'm like, no, I'm Nigerian. Where did you learn it? I learned it from the tree. (laughs) Of course, I learned it from my country. (laughs) You know, so there are always two sides to a story. I think that would be a good way to conclude this that you know there are always two sides to a story explore explore the different cultural realities and it's not everything that you see on the media that is actually true sometimes there's over representation misrepresentation under representation you know stereotyping and the likes yeah yes perfect uh, that's such a that's why your podcast is so great because this is a way of actually looking into other cultures without mm-hmm. just just keeping in your mind what you read somewhere or what someone yeah. told you. Um, yeah. Hearing hearing personal stories are always always better sources of information. Exactly. Than what that a headline or a, a, a news that's designed to get readers, for example, or clicks. Mm-hmm. So yeah. congratulations on your on your initiative. I think it's really great. Yay! This is so good. Oh, what a perfect way to end this. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Melissa. I'm, I've been learning so much. I mean, I've literally or not literally virtually now i've gone to zimbabwe i've gone to kenya by the way africa is not a country for those who think africa is one country i mean africa is a continent with so many countries and there are differences in these countries i mean check out my podcast from talking to my friend from zimbabwe talking to a friend from kenya there's so many differences and diversities in our African um, cultural realities so I really like what I'm doing because it's helping me to learn and also educate other people as well maybe one more last question for you Melissa would you classify yourself as a true representation of your culture or a nine yes or no like they say here in Germany I would say yine (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Ah, yes and no. <laughs> good, good, good. That's that a very smart I, one. I love that they have that word that represents yes and no at the same time. Uh, in some aspects, yes, I am a, a true representation of my country. I'm very optimistic. I'm very friendly. I'm happy. I love to dance. I love music. I love people. I'm very, I'm mm-hmm. very social. So that's very Latin American, I have to say. Uh, however, there are other aspects. Uh, for example, I'm not religious at all, and my country is like almost 90% religious, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, what religion? A Christian, but it's split right now between more or less 50% Catholic and 50% Evangelical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's maybe a, a difference. 
I recognize I recognize that I have been privileged in many ways. My my country is a poor country. Uh, levels of literacy are are low, mm-hmm. and so I have had the opportunity to well I'm here in Germany I already have a master's I'm going to go on a PhD and sadly that's not the case for many Salvadorans mm-hmm. so in that way also I'm I'm not I mean I cannot say yes all Salvadorans have great chances of getting a higher education mm-hmm. sadly it's not the case and yeah. well, a lot of people I think where a lot of us are trying to to think of ways where we can help that that reality changes so in that way I mm-hmm. don't don't represent my country it, it would be unfair to say Salvadorans have the opportunities I have had so mm. in that case I would say that's yes the I know where I yeah where I don't represent the, the whole Salvadorian yeah. community yeah fair enough fair enough and sad about the whole situation with literacy levels and education and generally opportunities, having access to opportunities. Exactly. <sighs> that's, that's the right expression, access to Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Mm-hmm. This one, you didn't see it coming. Can you describe your flag, your country flag? Oh, it's a beautiful flag. I, li- I like it a lot. It's a uh, blue flag. Mm-hmm. It has three stripes. Mm-hmm. Um, white in the middle and mm-hmm. blue on top and blue on bottom and then the national symbol in the middle okay okay and what's the capital of El Salvador San Salvador San Salvador yeah. Yeah, no, ah imagine, good imagine the, the language thing it really messes with your brain <laughs> yeah exactly Exactly. Genau. Mixing German with English and Spanish. Okay, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, this was really nice. So nice, Melissa. I really enjoyed this episode with you and I'm sure those listening did the same as well. And thank you for joining me. I'm thinking that we need to call it a day with this episode. Otherwise, we'll go on and on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. Thank yeah, you so much nice. for having me. It was sure. really, really fun to actually think about things uh, that I hadn't thought about of my country. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah, the pleasure is really mine. And thank you everybody for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to like it, to share it with your family and friends and learn something new with me. And until next episode, don't forget to toast to knowledge because what you know is never enough. Okay. All right. Take care and bye.